Well, Father God, we thank you for that tough word. And we pray, Lord, that you would send somebody to our congregation to help us figure out what it means. (laughs) Because, Lord, the reality is forgiveness is very tough. And God, we are clearly not you. And we don't know how, I don't know how you do it. I don't know how, as wretched as we are, how you are so able to forgive and to look at us as these little innocent things, God. I I don't get you. And I pray tonight that as we struggle through this passage, um, I pray that you will help us to have a little bit of understanding of what this anger does to us. Help us to have an understanding of what um, this affliction can bring. And Lord, really help us to deal with the words of forgiveness and unforgiveness, as that's really where we're heading tonight. So God, we pray that you would teach us, and we thank you uh, for this night and for being able to be here. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, good evening, everybody. I'm glad you're here with us. Um, And uh, I'm Jamie Kendrew. You can get to know me later, as Pastor Jared said. Um, But we have a tough, tough topic tonight. And, you know, I feel very inadequate to bring this message. And I think any preacher that, that gets this message is, is going to have that inadequacy feeling. And, and that's right, because really it's only God who can teach us anyway. But, you know, I, I've had a lot of hardship in my life. Um, and I'm not going to relive a lot of it for you. But yeah, I think God's been preparing me for at least 38 years for this sermon. Uh, I always joke with Pastor Jared, I'm going to write a coffee table book, and the title of it is, you're not going to believe this garbage, um, and I'm just going to list all these stories in my life. A lot of you have heard my testimony. You know that I'm the product of a rape, and, and that the, the man that raped my mother tried to get back in, into our lives, and there was a lot of physical abuse. There was alcoholism. Uh, you know, I, If you look at me closely, you can see where my skull was fractured when I was thrown down a flight of steps as an infant. Uh, I was, he tried to kill me. Um, and so it's crazy, but as a little guy, it's amazing what I can remember from the traumas in my life. I have this very vivid image of the Mr. Rogers theme song playing in the background as a two-year-old kid in College Hill, looking over a, a shrub that I've never seen over as a little kid, thinking, God, you have to get me out of here. I saw this blue sky, and I can see it very vividly. And each of us has those traumas in, in our life, don't we? And what happens is when something happens to us, when we're offended against, when we're attacked or we're violated or we're hurt, you know, it, it, it really it pierces us in a way that's disturbing, in a way that's gross, in a way that we're really not designed for. Because if you remember, our, our real design is to be the reflections of God. But because of sin, and because of the consequence of sin, who we were supposed to be was shattered into a million pieces. And life is really that piecing back together that God does in the hopes that one day we can reflect the image of God again one day. You are all broken. You are all messed up. You've all had hurts in your life, right? When I say that, some of you sitting in here almost want to get up and leave. Some of you sitting in here say, Pastor Jamie, I know you have your story, but you have no idea what I've been through. Well, we're going to talk about that tonight. Because with every one of those hurts 
that comes into our lives, there's an offender. And because there's an offender, there's this anger and there's this bitterness and there's this cancer that wells up in us that is a product of sin. And I want you to know tonight, I love you. And, and I praise God that I can give you this message tonight because God has brought me through so many things and he has healed my heart in so many ways because of godly people coming around me and helping me to address the things that happened to me, helping me to identify the things that happened to me and helping me not to run away in fear, but to grab a hold of the hem of God and say, I'm going to face this, I'm going to challenge these people and I'm not going to live as a slave to this anger and hatred any longer. Because when we don't forgive and when we hang on to this anger and to this bitterness, the only person that suffers is you. You spend your life, I spent my life until my early 20s living as a slave to fear, living as a slave to anger. And there's this weirdness in my sinful nature as I grew in that hatred, as I grew in that anger, part of me didn't want to let it go. It became familiar to me. You know, my daughter has really long hair. She's sitting up here in the front, and this we told her, Becca, we want, we want to cut your hair. And she says, no, I don't want to cut my hair. And we had to explain to her what, what the brittle ends of hair do and how it will destroy your hair. And she's just like, I don't want to get a haircut. I love my long hair. And I think sometimes we, we have this mindset that we have this stuff in our life, and we don't want to let go of it because it's always been there. But the reality of it is, is it's going to kill our hairdo. Right, Becca Boo? Right on. She got a haircut. Okay? So tonight, we're going to be talking about anger. And the way that we're going to talk about anger is not necessarily talking about anger, because you see, anger is really the result of something bigger. Anger is the result of something that came and hurt and offended us. And what I want to talk to you tonight is about the root of the anger. And a lot of us may be thinking, well, the root of the anger is obviously the offense that was done to us, but I would actually disagree with that. I think the offense that was done to us was the first link in the the bondage of the chain of sin that encapsulates us. Because you see, as victims of offenses, we fail to realize that we become a victim of ourself as well. Because there's something in scripture that we fail to remember that Jesus was very specific that if we are unforgiving in our hearts, there's consequences to that. Now I want you to think of the most incredibly worst thing that ever happened to you. And I need you to know, as I'm sitting here saying that, I know there's some really awful things that have happened to some of you. I had to look a 12-year-old kid whose father abandoned them in a foreign country and said, make your own way home. And I had to look this kid in the eye at one point in his life and say, you need to forgive your dad eventually. There's something gross about that, isn't it? Maybe you've been raped or maybe you've been violated and wronged in such a way. Listen to me. At some point in your life, you are going to have to forgive Because if you do not forgive, you will waste away in an eternal bondage of sin. Jesus Christ died on a cross for you, regardless of how grody and dirty you were. 
And when we say that we're unwilling to forgive, we're making the statement that we're better than Jesus. Because if the Son of God loves us enough to be able to forgive any offense, and I mean any, this is a gross sermon, isn't it? He forgives any offense. And if we're called to be in His likeness, then we as believers are called to forgive people of any offense. We're not called to be suckers. I want you to hear me right now. But we are called to forgiveness. And I'm going to tell you right now, some of you are living very bitter, angry lives, and you go, I don't understand why. I bet that there's a hurt deep inside of you that maybe you don't even remember. Maybe you were violated as a child, or maybe somebody said something that hurt you, and you secretly never really let it go, and it's turned into this festering, cancerous thing where you don't even recognize yourself anymore. It's truth, isn't it? Maybe it's our spouse who harmed us. Maybe it's a parent who did something. Maybe it's a church or a Christian that wounded you. Well, see, Jesus has a solution for all of these things. And tonight we're going to talk about that. So first, I want to give you a definition of what anger is. Anger is a strong feeling of intense displeasure, hostility, or indignation. And because of a real or imagined threat, uh, uh, insult, hurt, or injustice towards yourself or others you love. So anger wells up from this offense that's, that's, that's put upon us, okay? So we know what anger is. And, and I want to make something very clear tonight. I'll ask it. Is anger a sin? No, it is not a sin. Jesus Christ walked into the temple of God angry as can be and flipped over tables and he lived a sinless life. Anger is not a sin. It is not wrong for us to be angry at the fact that sex trafficking exists in our world today, that slavery is alive and well. It's not wrong for us to be angry that somebody violated and hurt us. But what is wrong is the way that we let the anger control the way we react to it. Does that make sense? And what happens is, is that anger affects us in such a way that instead of taking a godly um, uh, approach to it, we take an emotional reactionary approach to it, and we think with our emotions instead of thinking with the lenses of God. And so anger turns into this very hard thing, and, and, and we do, we think it's a sin, but all throughout Scripture there's comments and sections where it talks about righteous indignation and being angry at the right things. And I would say most of the time when we're angry, we're not angry over the right things. Right, Brandon, Michelle, and Becca? (laughs) They're not allowed to talk to anybody after the service here. Hypocrite. But we do. We get angry and and we lose control and we, we revert to our sinful nature instead of the divine creation that we're supposed to be. So that's what anger is. And so what is forgiveness? Well, forgiveness is giving up resentment against someone or giving up the right to get even no matter what has been done to us. Forgiveness is laying down your right for revenge. Do you get that? A guy cut me off in traffic this morning. I'm having a hard time laying down my right for revenge on this guy. I wanted to accidentally throw something at his tires of the sharp persuasion. We do that, don't we? We get angry. We get frustrated over these little things. And 
we got to remember, like, we're really messed up people, and God loves us so much that he's going to forgive us regardless of the offenses that we committed against him. And so as believers, as we're really talking about here right now, we're called to forgiveness. We're called to lay down our rights. We're called to not hold on to those things. Well, then there's this other word that we're going to talk about tonight a lot. And this word is unforgiveness. I don't know if it's a real word, but it is now. Unforgiveness is the deliberate, willful refusal to give up one's resentment and the right to get even based on the wrongful thought that someone needs to pay. Unforgiveness is running in the opposite direction of what God's calling us to. Unforgiveness is willful disobedience to God. Have you ever heard that phrase before? We talk about that a lot, and when we talk about willful disobedience to God, we're talking about sin. You you get that, right? And so when we willfully disobey the Father, we're hurting the fellowship that we have with the Father. It's a big deal. You know, forgiveness is something that we've all got to get to eventually. And, you know, as humans, we allow these obstacles to get in our way. We say things like, um, um, well, we, we, we say things like, I'm just, I'm just not ready to forgive yet. Have you ever said that to the person or about the person that's wronged you? Have you ever said out loud, well, I, I, I forgive them, but really in your heart, you haven't forgiven them. And really the only person that's going to know that is you and God. And, and you haven't forgiven them because you haven't wanted to. Let's be honest. I thought I forgave my dad when I was 21. And I don't think I really did until about five years ago. I thought I had. But the bitterness and the anger still welled up and still fought for attention. So do you really want to forgive somebody? Well, Christ calls us to forgive. We cling to what people have offended us with. We love to gossip about it or talk about it, don't we? And sometimes that anger and that bitterness and the way we talk about what happened to us almost becomes a security blanket so that we don't actually have to deal with it. Another obstacle that we have when it comes to wanting to deal with forgiveness is our pride. I'm not going to him. He offended me. He should come to me. What if that was God's attitude? We would never know who Jesus is, would we? He came knocking at our door. And as believers in Christ, people who have experienced grace, who have experienced forgiveness, when we need to lay down our pride, you're not better than Jesus Christ. Amen? (laughs) That's not a promotion I want anytime soon. I'm not the Savior. But he was willing to die. He was willing to forgive. And so I need to lay my pride down. I need to lay down my fear. This is a real one. Someone sexually violates you. That's not something that's happening tomorrow. There's going to be fear involved there. But that's where we as brothers and sisters in Christ are called to stand with one another. And when you're violated and when you're hurt, go to a brother and sister in Christ. Don't be silent. Lay your pride down. Lay your fear down because the truth will wash this thing clean. And God will liberate you from the bondage of unforgiveness. Just because somebody has offended you doesn't mean you have to give them authority in your life for the rest of your life. 
Because when we don't forgive somebody, we're giving them more power in our life than they truly deserve. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? We use fear as an excuse. The Word of God tells us that we are not to fear man. We are not to fear man. And if we believe who God says He is, then He is going to walk us through the valley of the shadow of death. He's going to make us lie down in green pastures. He's going to take care of us. And I promise you, it's hard. It's so easy for me to sit here and say the words that I'm saying right now. But this is really difficult stuff. But God will protect you. He will go before you just as He went before Joshua. Just as He parted the sea for Moses. He will take care of you. Because He loves you. Because he desires a relationship with you that's free of hindrance. Another obstacle is, is we make statements like, well, I can forgive this part of this, but I'll never be able to forgive this part of that. Maybe you've said that before. When we say we forgive, we need to forgive. Did you know the word of God tells us in the book of Psalms that when God forgives our sins, he throws our transgressions as far as the east is to the west? Now, I like maps. I think they're really neat. But if you turn it into a globe, the east and the, east and the west, they never meet. North and south do. East and west never meet. So when God says, I forgive you, and he throws that transgression away, and you ten minutes later say, Lord, forgive me for that same thing, he says, what are you talking about? He forgives you. And so when somebody harms us and we forgive them, we need to genuinely forgive them. But again, that doesn't just happen overnight. So we can't partially forgive. I've heard this said from people. I just don't feel like forgiving them. Well, you might as well stick your wrists out and sign up for the slave gang. Because if you don't feel like forgiving them, you're volunteering to live in bondage. It's not about what you feel. I want to say this. I'm going to go on a rabbit trail. Pat, Katie, help me stay on track if I go down this rabbit. Your relationship with God is not about feelings. It's about righteousness. It's about the word of God. It's about what he says is right. And it's about us raising to the standard that he has called us to. Not it being convenient for our feelings and emotions. When we forgive on feelings, we're never going to forgive. Because we have been harmed. We have been violated and we're right to be angry. But we've got to put our emotions down. And we've got to willfully say to God, help me to forgive this person because I want to fire them down a flight of steps. That's how we really pray about these things, isn't it? And we need to ask God to give us the strength to want to forgive them, to feel like forgiving them, to get over our emotions. And and we had a great devotion as a staff today. We talked about being committed is not an emotional thing. It's it's an all-in thing. You're committed because you're committed. And if you're committed to God, don't make just emotional decisions, but make biblical decisions. And in a moment, we're going to walk through why forgiveness is a biblical decision. This is the one that breaks my heart. When we're violated, when we're wronged, we make excuses for people. He didn't mean it. That's not what he intended. I watch as wives emasculate their husbands in public, meaning belittle them and make fun of their manhood in front of their friends and in public. And it breaks my heart. And I listen as the men say, well, she, she didn't mean anything by that. Meanwhile, he's dying inside. I've watched as men belittle their wives in public, making fun of their cooking and whatever else it may be. And, and they belittle their wives in public. And the wife will simply say, oh, he's just kidding. Meanwhile, she's dying inside. 
Maybe something more intense has happened to you and you say, well, it was an accident or there was a substance involved. It doesn't matter. We need to call sin, sin. And when a wrong is done to us, we need to be angry in a biblical way about it. And we as believers need to confront it. Not be silent about it. Not hide from it. Because we have a God that's bigger than all of it. Do not live in fear. So if you have your Bibles, I want to invite you right now to open to the Lord's Prayer. Found in Matthew 6. You know, we read and recite the Lord's Prayer almost weekly here at Christ Church. But there's a section of it in the book of Matthew that, that for whatever reason, in the liturgy of it, um, they, they've added a different section into it for the liturgy purposes of it. But there's a very important thing that we need to not miss in this. Because you see, when we don't forgive, we move from being the victim, and I need you to hear my heart on this. When we don't forgive, we start moving from being a victim to a violator of God's word. Let me explain. Matthew 6 says this. I'll start earlier in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. That forgiveness language. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive men, verse 14, when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive you. What? That's Old Testament God. Who is this? Listen to me. This is not talking about salvation. I want to make sure I'm very clear about this. When you give your life to Christ, as it says in Ephesians, you are saved. You cannot pry yourself from the hand of God. Once you are saved, you are saved. But what this verse is talking about to the believer specifically is this. When you as a believer are unwilling to forgive somebody for a violation, you are are harming not the relationship, but the fellowship that you have with God. Do you hear me? God desires desires to be in, in in a relationship where you're having fellowship, where there's peace, where there's unity, where you're striving to be holy and righteous. But when we live in willful disobedience, regardless of what that sin may be, maybe it's a love of food, maybe it's alcoholism, maybe it's pursuing lustful desires we shouldn't be pursuing, or maybe it's unforgiveness because Jesus said it very clearly that when we don't forgive, we're grieving the Holy Spirit. We're becoming a violator of God because he desires for us to be at peace. He desires for us to be in relationship with him. And when we harbor brokenness, instead of harboring onto the king... We're grabbing at things of this earth and not things eternal. Is this making sense? And our fellowship with the Lord is harmed in that moment. God wants to be in good fellowship with you. And when we hear that, we can jump up to our passage today in Matthew 18. And there's a portion of this passage that makes a lot more sense after we read that. I want to make sure that we're very clear on this, that unforgiveness will eat you alive. Unforgiveness 
will destroy your life and it'll harm your fellowship with other believers. It will harm your fellowship with God. It'll have you questioning everybody's motives. It will make you paranoid. You will start to think things like you're not wanted and that you are a mistake like I went through. But those are lies from the pits of hell. And you can continue to be a victim and cling to those hurtful things or you can say, God, help me break these bonds. Set me free from this awfulness. And he will. So when we go to Matthew 18, we read this parable that that Jesus uh, is talking about. You know, and what we need to know about Matthew 18, it's a fantastic verse in scripture because it really is talking about wrongs that are happening to one another. And the first part of it, Jesus is really talking about how every life is important. And he even goes as far as to say, if you harm one of my little ones, it would be better for you to have a millstone tied around your neck and thrown in the depths of the sea than to face the wrath of God that's coming. He's saying, kids, children, lives are important. He moves on to talk about what happens if a brother in Christ offends you. And he gives us a recipe for how we're to handle conflict in 1815 and says this, and I want us to hear this. Listen to me. When you are in conflict with a brother or sister in Christ, you are required by God to confront it and to deal with it according to what this scripture says. And it says this, if a brother sins against you, go and show him his fault. God's calling us to be confrontational. He's calling us not to suffer in silence because someone violated us. And he says this, just between the two of you. And if he listens to you, you have won your brother over. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. See, Jesus is saying, look, if it goes south, take a brother or sister in Christ with you. And then if they don't listen yet again, let's bring them to the pastor. Let's bring them to the church. And let's talk about either getting this person restored or protecting the innocent lamb that's being violated here and saying, you're now a wolf. You're gone. It sounds extreme, doesn't it? But that's how serious God takes this. You see, you're not called to the response of the other person. You're called to do about what you have to do about. Does that make sense? In counseling, we always tell people, you can't control what someone else thinks. You can only do anything about you. And God's calling you to confront these things that happen to us, to call people out, and to resolve these things. And if you're rejected or you're laughed at or whatever, that's not on you. That's on them. And by the word of God, you're set free of that bondage. But he goes on and he says this. He says, I tell you the truth, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth, you will be loosed in heaven. Again, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where there are two or three come together in my name, there I am with them. See, God is with us. He's talking about those two that come together to confront, those three that come together. He is with us. Then Peter has this moment of awesomeness. I mean, it's a typical rock moment for him. He says... Jesus, how many times then shall I forgive my brother when he does sin against me? Up to seven times. And and we miss this because you see the rabbis teach that three times is more than sufficient. If you forgive somebody three times in scripture, you are very good. And so Peter the rock in this genius moment of look how good I am, Lord, says, "Ah, if I forgive somebody seven times, is that okay? 
And Jesus says, come on, Peter, forever. You are to forgive seven times 70. And that's a ridiculous number. And by the time you get to the number, you're going to lose count anyway. And what Jesus is really saying in this moment to Peter is stop pretending to be so holy and recognize because you're forgiven, you need to forgive unconditionally forever. Jesus says this, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And as he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents, this is a lot of money, we'll say like a million dollars, okay, owed him 10,000 talents, where did I go? Oh, there it is, was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children, all that he had, be sold uh, to repay the debt. But the servant fell on his knees before him. He said, be patient with me, and I will pay back everything. So the master took pity on him, canceled his debt, and let him go. This is a substantial debt. Jesus then goes on to say, but when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, like ten bucks. He grabbed him and he began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. Uh, His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay you back. But he refused and instead he went off and had the man thrown in the prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and they went and told the master everything that had happened. Now, I want to be real clear. I am sure what happened to you was awful. And what I'm not doing right now is justifying anything that happened to you. Because what probably happened to you comes from the pits of hell. It's pure evil. And what I'm telling you right now is that it doesn't make it okay. It doesn't mean you asked for it. It doesn't mean you deserved it. But what Jesus is saying in this moment is you didn't deserve that and you don't deserve the baggage that comes with it. And so he's telling us, let it go. Forgive this person because I forgave you. And I'm going to tell you, Jesus is in this moment saying, you know, I forgave a lot of your indiscretions. I forgave a lot of what you did, all of what you did, which is a lot. So when someone comes to you and maybe cheated you out of a car or, or whatever it may be, who are you to say that you can't forgive them? This is tough. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant, you wicked servant, he said, I canceled all the debts of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In his anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. Who was in control of that moment? Was it the master? Or was it the man who was now being handed over to be tortured? Because of his actions, because of what he did, he violated a covenant with the master in this moment. He himself got himself into prison. He himself handed himself over to be tortured. And when we cling on to these things that have violated and broken and hurt us for all the years of our life, we're subjecting ourselves to imprisonment. We're subjecting ourselves to torture. Jesus says in this moment that 
When he pays the debt back, he'll be released. And we're not being asked to pay a debt back. We're simply being asked to give it to God. We're simply being asked to forgive. We're not being asked to have relationship with these people that have harmed us. We're not being asked to say that these things are right. But what we're being called to is a forgiveness. And so I want to walk you through that right now. I know I'm going long and you're going to have to forgive me. But 38 years of prep has really got some well upness in here, okay? I want to say this, if, if you're dealing with a hurt and you're dealing with a brokenness that has consumed your life, I want you to write these steps down. There's a guy by the name of Charles Stanley has a, has a great couple of books written on this very subject. And he, and he gives these, these, these things here as ways that we can deal with, with, with experiencing healing through forgiveness of somebody that's, I'll just say it this way, that's awful that maybe isn't even seeking forgiveness? Does this person who hurt you or harmed you, do they even know or remember the offense? Have you ever confronted them? Well, this is what Charles Stanley says to us. He says, you know, that we need to forgive because we're being held in slavery. And as believers, we're called to respond in a very Christ-like way. And that means uh, forgiving people who have violated and harmed and hurt us. We're not called to be suckers to them. The way I could honor my father was by keeping my family away from him. I forgave, but I wasn't going to subject myself or them again to that. But Charles Stanley gives us these great things here. He says, first, you need to acknowledge that you yourself are a forgiven person. Do you acknowledge that you yourself are a forgiven person? Have you confessed to God? This is the second one. You need to confess to God that you are angry. You need to confess to God that you do have rage. You need to own the fact that you are broken in this moment. The third thing is, is you need to realize and acknowledge that your unforgiveness is in fact a violation against God. I don't like saying this stuff. I wish it it wasn't this way. But this is where freedom's found, guys. Can you acknowledge and realize that your unforgiveness is keeping you in bondage? And it's violating that that fellowship that God wants to have with you. Fourth, ask God to forgive you for your attitude for the situation. I, I know what I'm saying right now. Ask God to forgive you for what you need to own in your unforgiveness. Fifth, lay down your anger and your bitterness. I want you to Say this prayer. God, take from me these chains that I have been carrying. Take from me this anger, this grossness. I don't want to hold on to it. I don't want to be a slave to it. And ask him to give you the strength to lay it down and to let it go. Sixth thing is this. Ask God if your attitude has been vengeful. Have I tried to harm this person because of what they've done to me? And if they have, if you have, ask God to forgive you for that. This last one is kind of split into two. And this is the hardest one. And I can speak from experience on this one. Is you need to go to the person who violated you. You need to pray those things through and and maybe even sit in a room and talk to an empty chair and practice this. But you need to go to the person who harmed you and you need to confront them 
And you need to say, this is what you did to me. And maybe this is recent, or maybe this is 40 years ago, but it has consumed you your whole life. You need to go to this person and you need to say, this happened, and when you're ready to do this, because you're not going to be ready to do this right away. You're going to have to walk through those first six steps before you get to this, but there's going to come a point where you need to confront this person, and then you need to say to them, will you forgive me for my hatred? Will you forgive me for my vengeful attitude? Because God has convicted my heart and I need you to know I forgive you. And will you forgive me? That sounds so backwards, doesn't it, church? But we've become violators ourselves when we don't forgive. And listen, I'm telling you, I was a pastor here for for eight years and I was dealing with this garbage. And I had to confess my anger. And I tell you how I was standing there watching my dad die and asking God the question, why does he get to die such a good death with his sons around him? And God spoke to my heart and said, we all get to die a far better death than we deserve. And so this violator, this man who was in my life, whom I spent most of my life hating, was a child of God. If he repented, he's going to be in heaven. And I need to be celebratory of that. It's the first time I've ever said that. But in order for me to be truly free, I have to be there. And you have to be there. We have to confront these people. And if we need to, take somebody with you. But confront these people and ask for forgiveness where you need to ask for forgiveness. And then offer forgiveness even if they don't want it. Even if they don't want it. Even if they reject you. Even if they spit in your face and laugh at you. You're not called for their response. You're called to do what God's called you to do. That's what you're called to. And in that moment, maybe, maybe they have a moment of clarity and maybe their heart breaks and maybe they've been suffering for 20 years because they've wanted to come and apologize or they've wanted to restore the relationship, but because of their fear and because of all their obstacles, they couldn't do it. And because you were willing to be the hands and the feet of God, not one soul is liberated, but two souls can be liberated. And that's beautiful in a very messed up earthly kind of way. And it doesn't feel good, and it doesn't look like the Brady Bunch. But God is glorified, and your chains will be gone, and the torture in your heart will be over, and you will be set free. Well, how do I know if I've really forgiven that person, Pastor Jamie? You'll know. You'll feel a lot lighter. You will feel a weight leave you. Physically, you will feel better. Emotionally, you will feel better. You will have an intimacy with God. You will begin to have compassion for these offenders and not fear. And you will begin to walk in a very different light. You will start asking the question of, why did they hurt me? Is there a deeper need in their life? God's not calling you to to be in relationship with these people that have harmed you. But for some of you, he may do that. It may be a restoration. You will know that you have forgiven when you can say these words and mean them. Thank you, God, for that experience because of what you have taught me through it. Someone asked me the question one time regarding my life, would, would you go back and, and just, if you could change stuff, would you? And I say no, because I saw some pretty amazing things that God did, and it's made me who he wanted me to be. 
God has designed you for a specific purpose and a calling, and he wants you to be somebody. Be free of these chains that you've subjected yourself to now. This person violated you. This person put you in this circumstance. It's not fair. It's not right. But it happened. And we can't stay here because now we have to do something about it. So rise up, believer. Cling to the shepherd and be free of your shackles. Amen? Let's pray. You're a good father, God, and we love you. And there is a lot of broken, hurt people in this room tonight, and there's a lot of silent crying happening right now because we don't want to face the reality that the Lord's Prayer, the reality of Jesus' parable, we don't want to face that reality because we're afraid. But God, we can do all things through you who gives us strength. And so give us the desire in our heart and the power and the strength and the courage to confront the evil that's been done to us. Help us to not be disobedient and running away in fear, but help us to be be obedient, to call out to you and help us to forgive. Help us to let go of the anger, the bitterness, and the strife that has just captured our lives. Whether it's in a grand way, or whether it's in a ridiculous fight that we had with a family member five years ago over the color of the Christmas cake. Because we do argue over some stupid things sometimes, God. But sometimes some serious offenses happen. So heal us, protect us, and help us to forgive. Because you first forgave us. In your name we pray. Amen.